If I could describe the process of sanctification, I would most likely compare it to going to rehab. It's tough, it's repetitive, and you don't see the results right away. But each day in the process is so necessary to becoming free. What does being faithful to God look like in our culture? Let's be a hill city in our communities that show that we are different from the world around us. This podcast explores pop culture and gives insight on how we can biblically and critically think about the world. Hi, my name is Grace, and I'm the host of Hill City Podcast. Hi, guys. Have any of you guys seen the Netflix show Haunting of Hill House? A few years ago, my friend suggested that I watch this series. The show is probably one of my top favorite shows on Netflix, with Stranger Things not far behind it. Honestly, I've watched the series at least three to four times, the most recent just being a few weeks ago. It's got the perfect amount of horror or creepiness, but it's got also some really great character dialogue that tugs the heart and real human characters that are very relatable. You would think that a horror TV series wouldn't be so artistically beautiful and articulate about human feelings, but this one absolutely tops it off. So if you're into shows that have mystery, a touch of horror, and great storytelling, then don't miss out on A Haunting of Hill House. So what exactly is this series about? It revolves around a family who lives in a haunted mansion. One night, some pretty crazy things start happening leaving the dad to haul all five of his little children into their car to run as far away from the house as they can. The only thing is that his wife is not with them, but is left behind at the house. I'm not going to spoil any of it in case you might want to see the show yourself, but each episode focuses on every child who is now all grown up and explores the life impact that one night of running away from the haunted mansion had on them. It dives deeper into their thoughts, doubts, and fears, memories of the house, and relationships with each other. And you'll start to see how each child copes with their haunted experience and how they face their inner struggles. But don't be surprised if you need some tissues during some of these episodes, because trust me, it's going to be a roller coaster of emotions. This podcast episode is going to be focused on one child and his story. His name is Luke Crane, and he is one of the youngest of the Crane family, along with his twin sister. His character is vital in understanding how sanctification works and how also we struggle with habitual sin and addictions in our life. Luke Crane is a character who struggles with drug addiction. This is how he copes with the haunting trauma from the house and his childhood. Drugs are the things that he turns to for a coping mechanism. He lives in this rehab facility that costs just as much as $6,000 a month for which his older siblings have to chip in. So there's a scene when he's with his twin sister Nell and they're both in the car and his eyes are just so red and he looks exhausted. Nell is going through a really tough time in her life, but he persuades her to drive up to this guy that will give him drugs. He tells her, I need to get well before I go in just one last time to push me through the gates. 
I'll get better, but just this one last time. He guilt trips her, saying that she means so much to him so that she could go and buy these drugs from a seller. Luke is desperate for that shot of ecstasy that he gets from these drugs. But after, he ends up feeling even more terrible than before. He thinks that using the drugs one last time would heal and cure him. He thinks that it'll do the job in satisfying his needs, but that's the thing, it doesn't and it won't. His addiction will only continue to grow more and more intense. The more that he gives into this temptation and indulges in drugs, the more it destroys him. But the very thing can be said about our lives too. We will always continue to live in this tension of being addicted to things outside of Jesus. There are a lot of things in our lives that we cling onto and indulge just like Luke did that may feel like it's destroying us. Being addicted to things can leave someone desiring to break away but feel the weakness to do so. So Luke Crane in this show is not the only one subject to addiction. He might be addicted to drugs, which some of us may not fully understand, but there are a lot of other things that we're addicted to, like eating, being on our phones, video games, taking selfies, working out, and so much more. Addiction and being addicted means being physically and mentally dependent on a particular substance and being unable to stop taking it without incurring adverse effects. Are there things in your life that you are physically and mentally depending on? Are there things and addictions in your life that you've tried to let go of, but it's just so hard? This is what addiction is. It can literally be anything. Cornelius Planica, who is the author of Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, says this about addiction. No matter how they start, addictions eventually center in distress and in the self-defeating choice of an agent to relieve that distress. What drives addiction is longing. A longing not just of the brain, belly, or loins, but finally of the heart. Planica is explaining that addictions show a glimpse of what the heart desires. God created us to worship him and to have a deep, fulfilling relationship, but only with him. So when sin enters the picture, it disrupts this relationship that we have with God. It diverts our love and purpose of being with God, and all of a sudden, we start longing for other things outside of God. In other words, our longing for transcendence is really the longing to be in the presence of God because he was the one who created us to be, to be fulfilled by him only. Addictions are an example of extreme idolatry. It is an example of extreme worship towards a created object or a created thing that can never satisfy. Cornelius also describes addiction to be this. He says that addiction taps this vital spiritual force and draws off its energies to objects and processes that drain the addict instead of fulfilling him. Accordingly, the addict longs not for God, but for transcendence, not for joy, but only for pleasure and sometimes 
for mere escape from pain. Addiction can be this escape from pain. It's a way for you and for me and for many others to hide from dealing with pain. It can be a way for someone to take the easy way out even if it destroys them. That's how much people want to run away from their problems, hurt and suffering. Luke Crane would run back to these drugs as a means to escape the pain he felt from his siblings. They always belittled him and never believed in his words that he would say to them. In their eyes, he would only be seen as this crazy person or baby brother. In all honesty, the Crane family in general had a lot of problems and issues with each other, but rarely did they ever take time to love, understand, and be patient with each other. Luke would also run back to the drugs to escape his fear of ghosts. Since being a little child, he would encounter this tall, slender ghost that would follow him wherever he would go. It eventually started reappearing when he became an adult. So as a means to escape this fear, he would give in to this drug addiction. Is there anything in your life that you might turn to to escape hurt and pain? Addictions can be little bottles of milk that we hold on to. Once it's taken away or we try to grow out of that behavior, we start to experience these withdrawal effects. I'm not sure about you, but when I try to cut out unhealthy habits and addictions in my life, it hurts a lot. Sometimes I will want to return back to it. It's as if these addictions have some type of stronghold on us. Planica says that addictions feel demonically alive, as if not just something, but someone were trying to lure, hook, and capture us. Someone who first successfully attempts him and, and then accuses him of weaknesses of having succumbed. Can you relate to any of these things that I mentioned? Ultimately, addiction gives you pleasure or makes you feel really good inside, but it's just for the moment. It's short-lived. Once giving into the addiction wears off, it leaves people in despair. It makes us feel completely hopeless and empty. But that's the very thing that traps an addict. It's when they try to escape that feeling of despair so they go back to their obsession, indulge in it all over again, and it becomes this massive, vicious cycle that seems very hard to get rid of. Maybe there's something in your life or a sin that you keep going back to and you know that it's bad for you. You confess it to God and try to break that habit only to find that the next few days it's unbearable. So then you just keep doing it over and over and over again. For example, take pornography addiction, which is a very real addiction, especially since technology is so easily accessed today. Back then, people would have to go to these physical stores to buy provocative magazines and movies. But now, it's literally at the tips of our fingers. We can watch these erotic movies and videos on our phone. And it's also really easy to feel hidden and anonymous when engaging with pornography. No one can suspect you as long as you have your phone on you and you clear up the watch history. 
I really believe that the accessibility of porn and anonymity is the fuel that fans the flame for addiction. All of a sudden, this addiction becomes a secret life for us to indulge in. But then the next day, we just feel terribly bad and horrible about ourselves. We know that we did something monstrous and then at night we feel this temptation to watch another video so we give in to escape our pain, despair, and ultimately reality. Pornography becomes this pacifier for us, making it so hard to walk away from the habit. It's like a pacifier that we try to grow out of. We'll be okay for a couple of days, but then our hands and our body itch to latch onto the very thing that comforted us. But there is still hope, even for addicts struggling with addiction. There is still hope for Christians who wrestle with any ongoing sin. We can be addicted to sin even as Christians who love and know Jesus. Sanctification is an ongoing battle against the flesh. It is an ongoing battle of choosing Jesus over our worldly desires or sins. I used to think that being tempted to sin meant that I wasn't saved. If I committed a sin over and over again while being a faithful believer, then it made me question my salvation. I almost believed this lie in the first year when I went to college. That year was the very first time that I faced a habitual sin in my life. The place I was supposed to feel the closest to God ended up being the place I felt the most ashamed. I sat in one of my classes fearful that God didn't love me because of my sin. I was scared that I wasn't his daughter. Yet I believe that I struggled with those questions because I didn't fully understand the term sanctification. Sure, I went to church and I heard this term a couple of times, but it still remained this mystery until I went to college. Let me break this term down for all of you. Sanctification really is just a pursuit of godliness. It is striving to look, act, speak, and think more like Jesus. But I want to make a clear distinction to to clear up any confusion. First, people who accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, are immediately justified by God as righteous. This is the doctrine of justification, which you can read more about in the show notes below. But essentially, justification is that moment when you believe in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross, and that's when it becomes saving faith. Ephesians 2 verses 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. So it is your faith and my faith in Jesus that saves us. It is what makes us clean. When God looks at you and I, he sees his son Jesus. So right when we believe in Jesus, God gives us the Holy Spirit that marks us as his children. Ephesians 1 verses 13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So sanctification is not a means for us to be saved. 
We are already saved through our faith, through hearing the gospel of Jesus. But the basis of sanctification is not so that we can live perfectly to God's standard and win over our salvation. There will never be a day when we can be perfectly righteous, but it's only through Jesus Christ that we are deemed as righteous before God. Instead, view sanctification as a means for worshiping God because he saved you. We don't have to work for our salvation, but our salvation makes a way for us to live the way God intended us to before sin entered the world. This should be a breath of fresh air for you and for me. We can choose Jesus over our sins, not so that we can make it to heaven, but we do so to show our love and our obedience to our Heavenly Father. Justification happens once, while sanctification happens every day. It's an ongoing process that is slow. It's also a very normal process for you and me. In fact, it's expected. Our lives today should reflect Jesus and look more like him than it did a month ago, five years ago, or 20 years ago. Recovery centers or rehabs are these places for addicts to learn how to live normally again while cutting off bad habits that prohibit them. So when we think about sanctification, the first thing that we can do is to admit our sin. We need to face it. Luke Crane, he went through rehab and that cost him a fortune. He attended this facility to help him recover and cut out these drugs that seemed to be ruining him. In the beginning of his episode, there's a moment when he stands in front of everyone at rehab and he's holding up this chip. He starts to introduce himself and says, Luke, an addict. There is something very valuable in that one phrase that illustrates the first step of recovering from addiction or habitual sin and learning how to choose Jesus. The first thing that we can learn from that phrase is that we need to recognize our sins as a problem. Recovery from addiction and a habitual sin requires us to understand the reality of it. We have to confess it and come to terms that we are struggling. This sounds so easy to do, but it's so hard to follow through with. The tough thing about hearing the gospel is essentially just owning up to the truth that we aren't perfect. Especially in a world where we're trying to be good all the time, or we're trying to attain our salvation and um, feel good about ourselves, the gospel is literally not that. It's the complete opposite. When we hear that someone had to die in our place because we're sinners, it should probe you like how it did with me. You're going to want to run away and deny that you need help. But the first step, like I mentioned, is to recognize that you need help. Healing and recovery comes when you desperately desire That can't happen if you choose to ignore the truth and run away from it. If there is any habitual sin in your life or any addiction that makes you feel hopeless, I encourage you to pray right now and confess it to God. 
be honest with him with what you're struggling with and ask for his forgiveness. He will forgive you and he wants to make you clean again. The second thing that we learn from Luke's rehab experience is that recovery is communal and not individual. If you're serious about letting go of sin in your life and becoming more like Jesus, then you need to be plugged in the Christian community. Luke Crane understood the importance of community for his recovery. Midway through the episode, he says, Any addict alone is in bad company. There's a reason why recovery centers build these safe communities for those who struggle with drug addictions. One person cannot overcome their battles alone, but they need others. And the church has to be a place for sinners to gather together in order to overcome the sins they struggle with every single day. But if you leave that community and become a loner, then it'll be really hard for you to win these battles. Who's going to help you fight off the urge to watch that provocative video again? Who's going to help you be strong enough to challenge your social media intake when they see you being anxious about your value? God gave us each other so that we can pray for one another and spur each other in our pursuit of Jesus. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So who is your community that you turn to, trust, and lean on for support? If you don't have one, go and find one in your local community. Go and find one in your local church. Find those that love Jesus so much that it's infectious and contagious for you as you continue to wrestle with sin. The final thing that we can glean from Luke's life about recovery is that it's an everyday process that is painful. And the same can be said about sanctification. It's the same thing over and over again. Sanctification doesn't mean that tomorrow we won't struggle anymore. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to have the urge to turn back to your own ways. Luke's friend Joey in the TV series explains recovery perfectly well. She says, that's what recovery is. You know, it's the same thing over and over again in spite of the result or in spite of backsliding or in spite of a full-fledged relapse. Doesn't mean you stop because it gets a little repetitive. But one day at a time, when we decide to get clean It's not because we expect it to be exciting, you know. Being Christian doesn't guarantee that we will be freed from sin or temptation to sin. We're going to have to come face to face with it. We don't choose to become more holy and blameless because it's fun. Sanctification is not a fun process. It's excruciating. We will cry in agony because we have to give up some of these desires and habits of ours. Sanctification is a repetitive process that doesn't.
doesn't happen overnight. But we are going to have to trust in the process and ask God to help us in the days when we feel weak. Becoming more like Jesus is going to take years of practice, and that's okay. If today we make it without falling into sin, but tomorrow we don't, it's going to be okay. Continue to fix your gaze upon Jesus. If we look onto our own strength to get out of these addictions and habitual sins, we won't be able to do it. But if we focus on Jesus every time we fall, if we rest in God's grace and forgiveness to carry us through and we feel remorse over our sins, it will be okay. This is what sanctification is. You don't have to keep doing this on your own, but lean on God's supernatural strength to give you that strength. Lean on your community to pray for you and keep you accountable. You don't have to clean yourself up before approaching God, but allow him to do that for you. There's this illustration my professor shared with me as I was wrestling with sanctification in school. Imagine a little child playing in the mud. They run back home to their dad, but they have to be clean in order to enter the house and relax. So then the father tells them that they have a nice clean bathtub that's ready to uh, bathe the child. But the child doesn't want to go in because they're scared that it's going to make the bath all dirty. So instead, they run off to the mud puddle and try to rinse themselves in the same mud that made them dirty. Sometimes we feel like that child. We want to be near God, but we can't help but feel this need to clean ourselves first. We want to get rid of all of our sin and become perfect before having a relationship with God. We would feel embarrassed if he were to see how dirty we are. So then we try to use our human strength to cut out our sin. What the child didn't realize was that a clean bath was meant to clean the child. That's the whole purpose of having a bathtub. It's so that the child that had all the dirt and mud over them could be cleaned off by the father. The only way to be clean was to allow the dad to wash the child in the bathtub. And the only way that we can be clean is allowing God to clean us. He needs to see our dirt so that he can clean us off. Sanctification requires us to approach God unashamedly based on what Jesus has done for us already. Don't feel scared, guilty, or ashamed that there is still sin in your life, but instead, press into Jesus even more. Allow God to help you become clean again. I'm going to end off by sharing 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Becoming more like Jesus is going to take one step at a time.
Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like to hear more content or upcoming announcements, make sure to follow my Instagram account at Hill City Podcast. If you love listening to this podcast or resonated with any of these episodes, you can leave a review down below or on any other podcast platforms. Make sure to tune into the next episode and I'll see you later.